you should be a monster. Because everyone says, well, you should be harmless. You don't want to be too aggressive. You don't want to be too assertive. You want to take a back seat. No. You should be a monster. And then you should learn how to control. 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 Hey everybody, thanks for joining us as we crack open another episode of the Undisclosed Agents Podcast. Today we got a chance to sit down with Corey Whitlock. Corey's an 18-year veteran of the fire service. He's currently a battalion chief in northern Nevada. Prior to his current posting, Corey spent 12 years with the city of Las Vegas Fire Department and was a truck captain at a Station 1 downtown. Somewhere along the way, Corey found the time between running a tremendous amount of calls, being a family man, and his union work both at the local and state level with the PFFN to become a PA as well. And he's actually pretty close to completing his doctorate. Corey was a fantastic guest. We covered several topics ranging from the burden of leadership, accountability, and passion for the job, which Corey obviously has no shortage of. We all felt this was one of our better episodes. We hope you feel the same. Now let's get after it. Corey, how's it going, man? Good, good. Thanks for having me here, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey that led you here today, buddy. Well, uh, this year, or this year I turned 41. So oh, I've been me the too. Fire. Oh, hey now. Yeah. Me too. Next month. 51B. Well, uh, yeah, so turned 41. I've been in the fire service for uh, about 18 years now. Uh, my journey started up in Story County. Yeah. Shout out to old VC. Uh, Dude, we were, uh, me and my brother were uh, just hanging out, coaching football here in Reno, and we heard a little uh, reserve part-time job going up at Story County. So we just decided to go up there and take a test. We ended up getting picked up. And that was, uh, man, I was 21, 22. We got picked up and uh, worked up in VC for about five years uh, up in the Wild West. That was... uh, very interesting to say the least. Yeah. Love you, VC. Boys. Yeah. Shout out to the VC boys. Cause I know there's uh there's a lot of stuff going up there and they, they are the wild west up there. And uh, it was there where, you know, it really gave me that foundation for the fire service and really made me want to want more. Wanted to be on a truck company. I wanted to experience the real deal. So when I was about 27, 28, I headed down to Las Vegas, city of Las Vegas, fire and rescue. Uh, picked me up, and I worked there for 12 years, all at Fire Station 1 uh, downtown on Fremont Street. Uh, got 20 guys, got bit to the truck, um, worked my way up to paramedic and then captain, and I was captain on Truck 1 before making my way back up to here to Reno. That's awesome that you worked your way up to paramedic. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. Congrats. You guys probably ran a couple of calls down there at Station 1, huh? Uh, yeah, just a few calls. You know, average uh, Station 1, we're looking at like 80 to 100 calls a day out of the station. So I got a few calls, not too much sleep. Uh, then made my way back up here to Reno. We're uh, battalion chief up here now. That's awesome, man. You said 20 dudes running out of Station 1 down there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was... Cool. Yeah, it was pretty wild. You know, going from like a twenty-man department, or time I left, maybe sixteen to eighteen, to a twenty-man station was a little eye-opening for me. You know? Oh, I bet the culture shock was unbelievable. Oh, it was hard. (laughs) What what were you making as a reserve in Story County? Oh shit! Uh, 
Any? Six bucks an hour. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I was, I was a reserve out in Central and we made five twenty five an hour when I yeah. started out there. Yeah. And I remember me and my brother going like, is this a good idea? And I was like, wow, shit, this can, it's got to be a good idea. And we were happy as clams. Yeah, best best idea you had at the point at that point, right? Oh yeah. Learned a lot. You know, like I said, it's nothing's wilder than, uh, than Nevada, rural Nevada. You know, you're by yourself. You're, you're truly by yourself. And, uh, that story County taught me so much as a reserve. And then as a paid professional, man, it just, it, it made me want to work with more resources. <laughs> So I'm sure the transfer to Vegas was a was not only a culture shock but kind of a positive culture shock in that aspect where you went, oh, there's there's more people here. Oh yeah, we don't have to do everything twice. Oh yeah, it, and you don't have time to work through bottles. You have time to get shit done, be aggressive, and if you're not on the nozzle, someone else is taking the nozzle because downtown you have two truck or two engines, a truck, three rescues, and a battalion chief. So when you go out on a first alarm. If you're on an engine, you got another engine right up your ass. And then that's not even saying the other station four, station 10, station 106, they're all up your ass too. So if you're not aggressive, they're taking it from you. So it, it got some haste under it from, you know, being in the rural where you're like, hey, you're by yourself. Take your time, whatever. Nobody's there's, coming. There's no, <laughs> yeah, you're, no you're, one's not, coming you're not settling in for the long haul. Yeah, exactly. You're running and gunning right away. <laughs> like when, when that parking brake hits, you're diving out and you're going to work, which... That was a really cool pace uh, separation from Northern Nevada back down to Vegas, and it was phenomenal. So when I uh, when I talk to everybody leading up to the podcast, when I get a hold of them, I, I usually ask them give me <clears throat> give me three topics, give me something that you want to talk about. Um, you know, and we start from there. You sent me your topic number one. I thought was really interesting, and then we bumped into each other at the gym and talked about it a little bit more. I thought it was. Uh, definitely going to spark some interesting conversation. And you said, I want to talk about the burden of leadership. And now recently from you going from truck captain, where obviously you were the official leader now up here to battalion chief, where you have more of a leadership role over just a, a larger chunk of the, the operation. What do you mean by the burden of leadership? Let's get into that. Dude, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> As a fellow battalion chief, I can, I can agree with that. Right? right? You guys all make choices. Enjoy the choices. <laughs> no, I'm, you know, when I, we were talking about it, the burden of leadership, I, I truly, like, I, it does suck sometimes. And I think a lot of guys in the fire service, like, we get so excited to make these, like, these bumps up the chain or, you know, in, in these different positions. And it's exciting. But it doesn't come without that burden. And sometimes you realize that burden's a lot bigger than you thought. And it comes in this multifaceted way that each, each time I've taken on a new leadership role, I've been surprised by some of those burdens. And sometimes it's disappointing because you, you fantasize about, oh, this is going to be great. And then you get there and you're like, shit, man, harder conversations, harder decisions, bigger burden, bigger uh, load to carry, just different. And that's why I said sometimes it just sucks because you know each time you, you work up, you're li- it's a little more lonesome. It's a little more lonesome, right? It's- uh, that, that is for sure. I remember um, I've been in BC now for four years and some change. And I remember when I was a, when I was testing for BC, I was like, I don't really want this job because every BC that I worked for is a dumbass, man. I could do better than them. And, you know, just had this thought in my head of how fucking hard is it? Deliver the mail and fuck a dude, tell staff, you know? <laughs> And uh, I recently, I actually ran into one of my old BCs with Brian out at lunch one day when, when B was the training captain. 
And I walked right over to him and said, Hey man, I just wanted to say sorry for being such a pain in your ass all the time and not understanding all the stuff that you had to do throughout the day and just think about all the time, you know? So that burden was definitely there. Yeah. And I, I, I talked to one of my guys uh, specifically here at work in Reno about the burden of leadership, because it's just talking to each other about the significance of it. And by no means does it mean that everyone has to own it either. So there's a lot of leaders out there who, who don't dig in and maybe don't have that burden. And we see that a lot in the fire service. So to me, when we were thinking about talking about this, it was like, well, when you want to be that guy who steps up, that burden's pretty, pretty heavy. And those hard conversations come, come up a lot more and uh, you get bastardized sometimes for it, rightfully or wrongfully. Right. (laughs) Oh yeah, <laughs> that's, that's one of, for sure. That's one of the notes I made here is, and I'm stealing this from Brian because this is something that he's he said on the podcast before he's picked up down along his way. It, he says, let me be your leader. He says, captain, he's a captain. Let me be your captain. Don't make me be your captain. But it, if you really want to be the leader, somebody is going to make you be the leader. And then all of a sudden we're dealing with this dichotomy where you wanted to be the leader but then someone made you be the leader and now you're the asshole for it. And sometimes we have to have, like you said, those hard conversations or we have to, we have to make decisions that aren't popular and that's where the loneliness comes in. Right. And as you go up the chain, like you said, it gets lonelier the farther you go up because you don't have that surrounding support. And, and that a lot of people don't think about that. They see you as the captain or they see you as the battalion chief and they think to themselves, Oh, this guy's a man. He's got it. But you don't have a lot of backup. You don't have a lot of sounding boards around. People don't come to you with stuff. People, you don't have people to go to. You have less and less people to go to as you go up that chain. hundred percent. You know, one of the things just to think about for those that are listening and for maybe your thoughts, but the, the burden of leadership, if you're feeling burdened or you, you are acknowledging that burden, I take that as a good thing because you're acknowledging the need for it. You're acknowledging the need to wear it and to own it. And I, I think you, you said it before, but I think it's too common where people, there are leaders out there that don't feel there's any burden to it. They, they come to work and they do their thing and they go home. So I, I have valued the leadership that uh, luckily I've worked under good and bad in my career and actually quite a, quite a bit of good from the company officer level all the way up through fire chief. The guys that wear it and you can see them wear it sometimes, that gray hair, that little sunken shoulders after 10 years. You know, there is some good in that. And I see that people that, that, that means they care at the end of the day. Oh, you know? oh, oh, 100%. And by no means do I want to pigeonhole necessarily, just because, Brian, you know, um, just in the fire service as far as like rank and file and being a captain or even an informal leader like an engineer, captain, battalion chief, but even the, uh, the local level. You know, I've been a principal officer since Story County. Um, and then it's at Las Vegas, I was secretary. Uh, for about four or five years. And then I've been the secretary treasurer at the state for a few years, but a a VP with Brian um, since 2016. And that burden translates over there too, because you're making these decisions that affect people's lives. And that's, that's important. And just to your point, Brian, like you're right. Like it, it keeps me up at night because I care and I want these guys to know that I'm trying to look out for them or you're trying to do what's best and when they don't think it's the best, sometimes that sucks. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you're going to hear about it. Oh, yeah. It, Which it, is fair. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, um, just to dovetail off Brian's point, it's like if you don't feel the burden of leadership as a leader, 
you're doing something wrong. One of the things I used to hate was when an acting captain <clears throat> would, uh, would whoever it was, somebody bump up for the day, right? And they were just like, substitute teacher. Yep. Like, well, we, we still need a leader. What if we get a huge job or what if, what if something goes down today? Like union wise or what, you know, there's a personnel issue. What if something happens? Like you still have to do the job. And that's always been one of my issues with, uh, with an acting position just as a whole. You know? Yeah. Um, I, I listened to two guys who were both acting company officers that were having a conversation in the kitchen I'm never going to test. I'm never going to promote. There's no way I would take, take on that. Um, I can't remember the exact verbiage, but there's no way I would take on the responsibility basically of all these guys in the house that are just going to do stupid shit and get me in trouble. Mm -hmm. And it's like, bro, you need to train them and coach them and lead them so they don't do stupid shit. Right. Yeah. I think yeah. that's the dichotomy of acting, right? We get these guys where we want to develop the next generation. We want to bring the next guys up, but we get this, we get this group, right? They want to get more on their overtimes. They want to be, have access to more overtimes, want to get off the box, whatever their thing is. Right. So they get that acting because they got to do that. And then we have this other group who they're striving to be that, right? So when they step into that acting role, they actually take it seriously and do that. But there's the other side of the coin too. And we had a guy who was an acting company officer who did not want that responsibility and was very verbal about not wanting that responsibility. Didn't want the overtimes for it either. Like did not want to do that. And as soon as the option was on the table to get rid of that, he dropped it. And people were like, oh, what, you know, what the fuck is this guy doing? I looked at it like, you know what? You may not like that he doesn't want that responsibility, but he's smart enough to realize he's that he's not the right guy for that position. And I thought that was semi-admirable for that. You want to be like, oh, yeah, you need to be a leader. You need to step up. But if you don't want to do that, don't do it. Get out of the way. The 100% for sure on that. I just, it just, uh, the way the conversation went down in the kitchen was slightly different just because the tone oh, of it. 100%. And, that, you know? yeah, and, yeah. and I let those guys know, hey, it's okay. You're too scared to do this. Somebody else isn't. Yeah. So don't be mad when somebody else does. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I made a little note here when you were talking, because you brought up a good point was part of the burden too is uh, the lack or the willingness to fail up front in front of everybody. And, and that, you know, in the fire service, you either got the guys, yeah, raise your hand. I'm in whatever. I'll fail right in front of everybody. But in the leadership role, you get armchair quarterbacks, which is great. Uh, like I said, I, I'm all, I'm all about trying to learn and trying to progress and, and, uh, I'm not perfect, but man, sometimes when you fall flat in your front of your face in front of everybody, or, you know, you're failing or you're not doing your best, that's the burden. It also is a different kind of, uh, messes with you a little bit because it's easy to, to be in the background <laughs> pointing fingers. But when you're up front failing, that's, but that, that's all about polishing up. You're right. You're trying to, you're trying to fix yourself, trying to escalate and trying to be better. Yeah. And that's, that's what it takes. Growth hurts, man. <laughs> yeah. And, and you got a, uh, and maybe we should delve in just a little bit because we're still talking about Berlin leadership. You have a unique experience that a lot of people don't have. You know, you started at a small department, worked your, you know, worked there for a few, enough years that you gained good experience. And, and it, you've always been in the time I've known you, you've always been a leader, you know, whether it's on the union side or in your own department, regardless of badge or rank. So you work at a small department, you move to a substantially larger department now. So you leave there as a company officer probably pretty comfortable in your role. You, you figured out your leadership role with a lot of other leaders surrounding you. I mean, you're in a house with three other cap, two other captains mm -hmm. and a BC to moving to a department 
where you come from the outside and become a battalion chief. That's that's a very rare opportunity. It's a very rare um, happening in the fire service. You're seeing more and more. I, I actually was looking last night, some ungodly hour, of how many outside battalion chiefs are being hired and even outside captains now in departments yeah. where it used to be, you know, the tiny little beach department in Oregon or some sort of place in the middle of Idaho that no one's ever heard of. Now you're seeing departments of size, 65, 70, 100 guys, 120 guys that are looking for outside battalion chiefs. But point being is, is you, you have a very unique experience on that burden leadership because you came into a department from the outside with two other gentlemen from the outside to now take over a battalion chief role. So that's might be something you can touch on. That's something super different that a lot of guys don't experience in their careers. Yeah, it, it's been it, it's been really tricky to to manage that because there's a lot of you know when you grow up in a fire department um, either in Story County or Las Vegas, you know it's a slow growth curve. So you get the feel of the your audience a little bit more. You get to work in different areas like you know whether it was the benevolent fund or the um, or uh, the benevolent association or um, the union or committees you kind of you start building that trust but coming in off the street and then just establishing or trying to establish that right away it, it it's tough and trying to finagle it enough to where you can still get your job done but dude it, it it's tough. It's, it's hard to even touch on because it's just the fire service. Like we've all, it's not like that. So then coming into it, it's hard to navigate, hard to get mentors who even know how to navigate that. And then it's just, you you just have your little club that you're trying to figure that out. And just, you're trying to see what shit fits or works. And sometimes it fails and sometimes it doesn't. I think there's probably a, there's probably a good side to it where you get a fresh look at everybody. Right. When you come up from the inside of an organization, you're so entrenched in the day to day with that organization that you have preconceived notions of everybody, mostly earned, right? You don't climb the ladder usually unless you're a pretty in tune person. And people earn their reputations, but coming in from the outside, you get a fresh slate with everybody. Everybody has to kind of be who they are for you. Yeah. And you get to learn that. But the other side of it is they don't know you and they're yeah. a group. Yeah. And you come in and they're they're sitting back there and we all know how the firehouse works. Who the fuck is this guy? Our old Vegas boys here to tell us how they do it in the big city. Hundred percent. You know, I bet that was a. Is, I'm sure it's still a hard road. Oh, oh. oh yeah. It'll oh, yeah. it'll never be totally gone. Yeah. You know, it yeah. just the, those are the facts of, of the matter. It'll never be totally gone, but hopefully through through humility, you know, and being willing to to fall flat sometimes as a leader and and step in front of your guys and tell, hey, look, man, this is these are the areas that I fucked up this is the shit that i need to get better at whatever it is you know yeah exactly and by no means and i'll be the first one to say that all three of us who came up here and took on this role have not been it's not been seamless and we're not saying oh we're perfect in every way that's farthest from the truth we're we're learning too and you know as a and you know i've talked to some of the guys as, as a new battalion chief I, i'm learning and that's a it's a tough role it's a different role and trying to find your place and uh, how it fits and how it fits within the organization, how it fits within my values, how it fits for my culture and how it fits with this new culture. That's a tough thing to balance. And, and it's a good thing. So, you know, um, another thing I tell the guys is like, don't judge me on my failures. Judge me on how I react to those failures because you know, I'm a work in progress too. You know, I'm not holding anything over anyone's head because we're all working. But yeah, to to Brian's point, it's it's been uh, it's been a unique experience, and I think we're going to see it more and more. And I think as a fire service, we have to 
kind of just like we do with everything, adapt and overcome. Yeah, absolutely. I I can tell you those challenges still exist to be in a guy that came up and grew up in my current organization. And I've, I've climbed, climbed the ladder all the way up to battalion chief. And it was within minutes of getting my badge pinned that I was one of them. Oh yeah. I was no longer one of us, you know, and that happened quick. And these are guys that worked for me as a company officer, worked alongside of me as a fireman. These guys knew me. And, oh. and it happened fast. And that one hurts a little bit. When I got promoted to captain, I remember uh, I was going around the stations as a secretary of the of the local, talking about one of the decisions we're, we were making as a local. And uh, had something to do with transporting. And one of the guys says, you don't know what it's like. And he was at a moderately slow station. And I was, I'm like, bitch, I fucking has transported downtown my whole career. I've been on the rescue. I've been at the busiest station. I've precepted. I know what it's like, but within two months being badged, I said, okay, yeah, you're right. I'm not riding your seat anymore. I can't say that I know exactly what you're going through. I have a pretty fucking good idea, but I got to respect it. So you have to take a step back and say, okay, fair. Yeah. <laughs> if, if I had a dollar for every time I heard, I love all you new guys out there. I love all you guys. But if I had a dollar for every time I heard, you don't know, you don't know. Well, yeah. People forget. Some of us have been in this career a long time. I spent 10 years on that box, 10 years but they say it all the time. I love it. You just don't know. But but you also don't want to be that, you know, well, back in my day, it was uphill both ways, barefoot yeah. in the snow. Guy, yeah. You know, NMHI three times a day. Anyway, what if so, it was? <laughs> <laughs> you don't know, Jay. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. I just drive and love left. all you new guys. So uh, you, you said something um, about one of the things that was hard to navigate for you. I wanted to touch on because I actually had a note that was leading into it. You said it's hard to find mentors in your specific situation to lead through this. I think one of the burdens of leadership that, I mean, I can speak from my theoretical uh, ideas of leadership. Um, That's right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not a real leader. Any actor. You know? So, but one of the things as a leader, when you start looking for mentors, the further you move up that chain, like we talked about, it gets lonely. It gets lonely as far as where you find your mentorship from as well. And not always do we see when we look around the further we go up or when we look around as a leader, we don't always see people who are leaders like we believe ourselves to be or that we're trying to be. Um, those who are engaged in the profession, and, and I, we can speak freely because the only ones who are listening to this are the ones who are engaged. You're looking for like-minded individuals. And the further you go up, number one, the less people there are. And we all know everybody's not a like-minded individual. So now you're less and less and less when you're looking for that mentorship as a leader to develop into a further leader. That's another burden that when you, you said this, I thought about, man, it gets harder and harder to develop yourself to a better leader. Oh yeah. You, you hit the nail on the head. You know, when you're sitting around the kitchen table, you know, like I said, at, at station one, you're sitting around the kitchen table with a bunch of other dudes. It's easy to find a, a mentor uh, with the the engineer who's been there 21 years or the fire, the senior fireman who is 18 years on the truck. It's easy to find that mentor. See, you're, you're around like minded guys, but when you're one of three captains or when you're the only battalion chief, now you're looking around, you don't have that table. You don't have the same, that, that same quick reaction. So you actually have to go search or get on the horn or have somebody that you respect. Like, you know, I, I bounce a lot of shit off my brother. He's in the fire service, but he's also an, he's not afraid to call me out or punch me in my mouth. Like, you know, anybody else for that matter. I think he's hit me twice. So yeah. Yeah, Shout out Ryan. Yeah. Well, and again, adding to the (laughs) big dog, adding to the uniqueness. And again, just 
giving you ideas of your uniqueness. You know, you look at a, a place like your prior department, there, there's mentors everywhere. There's generations of battalion chiefs currently working, not working, retired. I, I mean, you, you have a, such a huge draw from your current organization. Not only did they bring three BCs in from the outside, they're the first BCs. Oh yeah. So where did you find mentor? Like in your own, I mean, you have to probably reach out, like, like I said, to your brother, you probably have to reach back to your prior employer you know, um, it's just an interesting thing to me because you're not sitting at a table. Not that those guys aren't fantastic and there's yeah. some mentors there, but even at our department, that's, that's smaller, yeah. not, you know, certainly smaller than Vegas. There's other BCs, there's other captains. I can pick up a phone anytime and, and call another working captain, or I could pick up a phone and call someone off duty Yeah. plus generations of captains that are still alive. So that's just a, another unique part of your leadership styles. Where, where do you go? You, yeah. So good point. It's, you know, you reach back out to some of the guys like good relationships in Vegas, but also you realize that a lot of those guys who grew up in a 700 man department, that's also hard for them to realize when you're talking about a 21 man or 24 man department, that's a whole different ball game. Right. So then, uh, luckily in Northern Nevada, we, we have like this really solid group of departments that all kind of came from the same are cut from the same fabric or the same cloth that have the same experience that have gone through a lot of these growing pains. So for me, it's about reestablishing relationships, reaching out to different places who've, who've been like us. Um, you know, everyone's been in our situation and whether you're a small department or a big department, we have all the same issues, you know, it's all, it's all the same. And it's phenomenal when you start reaching out and, you know, we go to a BC breakfast um, at least once a month with the BCs in the area. Uh, in the valley, because it's important for us to, you know, to get stuff off, get shit off our chest, and just talk about it. Then you feel a little less messed up when you hear everybody else has the same shit, and it makes you feel a little less crazy. Because, like I said, you're kind of in your own silo a lot of times. You know, even the BCs who have two BCs on a day, you're still by yourself a lot of times. You're not sitting next to them, riding with them all day. So it's just different. For sure, man. That that's great that you guys are doing that, keeping in touch, and bouncing that stuff off. Um, one of the things that I've found that helped help me and still to this day helps me develop as a battalion chief is that when I'm talking about mentorship or, or looking for advice or anything like that, a lot of the times I will reach back out to the fireman rank or mm -hmm. the operator rank or the captain rank, because it's so easy to get wound up in the minutia of BC life <laughs> to oh, yeah. get caught up reading policies or, thinking about the politics of the city or you got some big event coming. So you got to plan all this shit that's not really operationally necessary. So I, I find myself when I'm getting into those funks, um, reaching out to some, some dudes at my department and even guys at other departments of the lower rank and just saying, Hey man, what, what's the biggest issue to you today? Like what's going on oh, yeah. in your fireman life today? Yeah. And, and is it being addressed or is it not? Yeah, not not to sell anybody out or you know try to one up anybody, but it just keeps me grounded. It keeps it makes me remember one of the things Scott did when he got promoted to BC was he printed a big eight and a half by eleven glossy of the firefighter badge and framed it and hung it up in our bedroom. That's so, awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Now you brought up a good point. Um, uh, you know, talking to uh, something unique about the department here is that you know. I haven't been through a lot of trials and tribulations that they've been through. So I don't understand how everything is affected. So a lot of it's having to talk to them and say, Hey, am I fucking this up? Am I, am I screwing up your guys's 
you know, day to day, you know, let me know. And, uh, and, and then I can help develop or help pivot because you're right. That's so, because I'm not, I'm not the one affected by it. And that's, and that's also tough because you try to be, it's not like you just sit there and just write something down and just send it out. It, it's, it's more complex than that. And you're trying to do the right thing, but Hey, is, I'm sending a message. Is that message being well-received or is it not? And if it's not, then I got to fucking fix it because yeah. my, my intention is not to screw it up. No. And sometimes it, it I mean, I hate to say it, but sometimes you forget that the end user is the end user, right? Yeah. Just because this yep. worked for me, yeah, that yeah. <laughs> yep. does has zero bearing on the if it works for the end user. You know? Yeah. So uh, we're we went through some. Brian and I have been through about what eight deputy chiefs at this point. <laughs> so <laughs> we've had all different kinds of ideas, right? And one of the things that one a long time ago, this is not a recent guy, but one of the things that he used to harp on us all the time, I don't care about your history. I don't care what happened. Look out the, look out the, uh, look out the windshield, not the rear view mirror mistake. The, the, <laughs> the windshield's bigger than the rear view mirror. And to his credit, that's true. What happened in the past doesn't have to dictate what we do tomorrow, but you should still know what happened. If someone walked through yeah. a landmine field, and didn't have their <clears throat> fucking legs blown off. Wouldn't you want to know what path they took? Uh, 100%. Or if some guy pushed his wheelchair up to you and said, "Hey, man, I'm gonna tell you where not to walk." Wouldn't you go? <laughs> Let me get that info. Yeah, no, the, you're absolutely 100%. right, and I'm not. I'm not discrediting the fact that you should know where you came from as an organization for sure. Especially those retirees that come around and go, "Hey, I've lived in this community for X amount of years." worked in it for half my life. You want some info? And you just go, nah, I'm good. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a bad deal. Oh yeah. Yeah. You got to collect all the data. You got to see what you're dealing with. You got to see how the, like, how did these guys get to these positive or negative attitudes? What's, what's making them uh, hard chargers or, you know, what's making them not, you know, we had uh, something similar, a lot of turnover in that chief position at the head chief. But I'll tell you what, to these guys credit, they've, They've trudged through a lot of shit over the years and they've progressed and they've pushed through and you go, man, this is pretty phenomenal because they might not realize how phenomenal it is, but they've been through a lot of stuff over there. So for me not to recognize and be like, man, they've been through trials and tribulations year after year after year would be ignorant. But to, to just hang out in the past also wouldn't be good for us. Either. No, you got to move forward. You have to move forward at some point. But yeah, knowing where you came from. Yeah, you may get the history and go, oh, yeah, that that's why. Yeah, we're this, not doing that shit. That's why this is fucked up. Yeah. But it's better to get the history and go, okay, let me explain to you the pitfalls that, as an organization or as an individual that you've stepped in along the way that may have caused this negative thing. And I've got some ideas. Rather than coming in and going, I don't fucking care what you guys did. I'm smarter than you. I'm from California. I'm going to do it this way. Not that the dude was from California. I'm just saying yeah, it's man. a big state next to yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't know where you're going if you don't know where you've been. Yeah, that's a Nicholas Sparks quote or something, right? It's <laughs> from Hitch, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> good. Well, that's a good segue. It leads us into you know another burdensome topic that you brought up. You said you wanted to talk about accountability. And oh, yeah. this is a big deal for a lot of people. So I'm going to let you start this one off. Yeah. You know, a lot of people when they hear accountability and, and coming from a battalion chief, they're like, oh shit. I'm like, great. 
Yeah. Okay. But in my mind, I, I think about accountability in the fire service ever since being just a firefighter, a medic, a captain, even battalion chief as personal accountability, team accountability, and uh, operational accountability as, a, as an organization. And I think a lot of times, and, and this is just my observation in the fire service, is we've lost track of personal accountability team accountability and organizational accountability because we're not pushing ourselves to be better training all the time globally. We have a lot of guys who want to just, Hey, no, I'm good. I'm good. I don't want to learn more. I don't want to go to more classes. And that comes that, that to me hits me hard because I've always been a hard charger on that because I, I know, I know nothing. I, I don't know shit about shit, which puts me on my heels, which makes me go, fuck, I gotta, I gotta go learn some shit. So, you know, I took a different path. I went to me, I went to school. I've been to a lot of trainings and I pushed myself that way because I've always been worried that I don't know enough. So I've always wanted to, to progress. And that comes with that personal accountability and not everybody has it. And when we, and when we're, I think we're missing a big key to that as a fire service is not looking in the mirror saying like, how am I progressing? How am I not getting better? Like I need to, I need to be the perfect at my craft or attempt to be. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, ever since, um, ever since we've started collecting data in the fire service. So, uh, you know, the project maydays, the firefighter rescue surveys, all that stuff. Ever since that stuff came out, it completely changed my, my mind about a lot of stuff in the fire service, a lot of training opportunities, a lot of operations that we did, you know, that we yeah. held on to so tightly mm-hmm. and, uh, that we needed to change our mind. But you talking about that, those guys out there that are like, I've been doing this for 18 years. I'm good. I don't need to, I don't need to train. I don't need to learn that. I don't need to be better at this. They remind me of teenagers. Yeah. When you talk to a 14, 15, 16 year old male, especially. And it's like, wow, you know everything right now, man. Oh yeah. Well, I was one of those guys and I didn't know shit then. And I know less now. Oh yeah. (laughs) So just wait until you get here. I think one of the things that I've noticed along the way with accountability, and and I know that Micah and Brian have heard me talk about this, and it's something I struggle with. The fire service in general lacks measurable standards for fire ground performance. And when I say measurable standards, I am legitimately talking about a fucking stopwatch and a standard when we train to whatever your task is. If it's forcing a door or masking up. And that's one of the big things in our search class that we teach. Like we teach it through measurable standards with time. And we put a time frame on things because there's measurable standards like Micah was talking about through rescue firefighter rescue survey. Air break to dead people is past eight minutes, right? So we've got to get off the rig, get the tools, stretch the line, get masked up, force the door, get in, find the person, get them out. And under this time frame, and it's a measurable standard. And I think if we applied those measurable standards to our fireground performance, we would have the ability to hold somebody accountable. There's a, there's a duality to it, right? Because you, you hold too many standards right now, you're checkbox firefighting yeah, and you're on a scene where an educated, good firefighter, company officer, whatever the case may be, deviates from that measurable standard, but it was the right thing to do, or the outcome was the correct outcome. You have to have an ability to pivot. But as we train people, we just kind of willy nilly like, yeah, whatever, that's good. Yeah, whatever, that's good. And then you find these 18 year guys 
who are not meeting this anywhere near what is a good standard for anything, but there's nothing to hold them accountable with. But that that's where your 18 years comes into play is with your situational awareness. Your measurable standards can still be there and your 18 years in the fire service can tell you where to deviate. Mm -hmm. In my opinion. It's just something I think um, I've watched some of it grow. I think um, using some of the local academies there, it's hard young people and old people alike. A lot of this to me is not young people. This is older in departments. They've never really been held accountable, right? They got people that protect them. You don't do what you're supposed to do in the job. You get, you get your hands slapped and, but you'd still come back to work and no one does anything about it. It's a complaint. I think we've all had, especially probably the four of us in this room that like, man, you're making me do this one rule, but this guy doesn't have to, or that guy doesn't have to, or we're going to follow this rule, but not these 12 others. I think it's a global problem, but I think one of the things at least I've seen that I think is great is changing the environment people train under and operate under that we were teaching these guys. It's okay to come on the training grounds and fail. It's okay to mess up. It's okay to try something new in the station and really not to do that good at it. Right. Exactly. Cause you're going to try again and again. And then I'm watching it. It's something I've been challenging myself with and my, my crew with. And I mean, shout out to, to B shift uh, in my department dogs, uh, man. It, we, yesterday was a, a, probably one of my favorite days in the last five years in my career, hands down. We trained almost all day. We were out and about all day. But what I watched was people feeling comfortable tripping, falling. And I'm saying this is a figure of speech, Yeah, yeah. but they were accountable for what they were doing because we were all cheering them on and we were okay with it. And we were okay with the learning environment. We were okay with growing someone. And it started out, a guy was taking a, a test that technically, I guess, according to the BC could make or break his career. It's his 11 month test. You don't pass this, you know? You know, I, I disagree. Bye. I disagree with that statement. <laughs> I, I do too. I just want to see your reaction. Um, we, we had a catastrophic tool failure, broke, and we took a pause real quick and laughed about it and didn't blame. We held them accountable in a funny way, but we we kept holding them accountable in a positive way. Hey, move forward. Try a different tool. Keep moving forward. But long story short, I watched yesterday holding people accountable for their actions in a clean, safe, fun environment all while sweating, getting dirty, dragging people five stories up and down buildings yesterday continuously. But, you know, I'm just curious, like, especially in your new environment is creating that. How are you creating that environment to make people that don't know you that well? Some do um, be okay with being accountable that, Hey man, we're all going to mess up. We're all going to be okay. If you're accountable, it starts to create an environment where people just don't mind raising your hand going, Yep. <laughs> That was me, boss. I did it. Yeah. You know, so I'm watching that happen. I think it starts at the drill grounds or in the academy center. So I'm just curious. That was a very long story to get to a question, but how, how is that something you're looking at in a new organization? Oh yeah. You know, uh, I'll be the first one to tell you. I know my personality is not the loveliest all the time. <laughs> And if somebody doesn't like me, I'm not surprised all the time. So I, I know there's a learning curve, you know, both ways. Uh, but you, you hit on something uh, for me, it was, a, it's about uh, competence equals confidence. And I heard a quote before that says uh, an amateur does it enough, uh, a skill enough to get it right where a professional does it so that they can't get it wrong. And to me, that's kind of where I've always hung my hat is that like 
we can sit back and say, you know, oh, game time, I'll be good. But if you looked at Barry Bonds, who was still taking batting practice up to the last day he played. And th- this guy's th- the best batter to exist. He's phenomenal. Period. End of story. No other <laughs> argument to be made. documented that. Anyway. <laughs> right? So you, you really think about that, and we get this confidence and this lack of humility within the fire service that says, that, no, I'll be good on game day because in the academy, I, I learned to do that. But 18 years later, they haven't done anything to challenge themselves and say, hey, dude, put on your turnouts, get your gear on. Feel the heaviness at three o'clock in the middle of the summer, hundred degrees outside. Feel the pain a little bit. So I'm for me, it's about hands on, hands on, hands on, and I've always been that way because that's the only way I've gotten better. That's the only way I can be competent. And we got to test ourselves regularly, and that comes to accountability to yourself to know where you lack, your team to know when to say, "Hey, uh, I know Bob over here hasn't done it in eighteen years, but I'm not going to call him out." I'm just going to foster the environment where we're going to do it. We're going to throw ladders. He's going to get the reps in whether he likes it or not, but it's not going to be like, hey, Bob, you're shitty, do this. But we we have to get out there and do it because none of us game day are are going to be like, oh, yeah, I remember this if you've only done it once. You have to do it to where you cannot get it wrong because that's what you get paid for. You know, if you If you hired a plumber to come over to your house and he didn't know how to fucking do any of the plumbing, you'd be appalled. Yeah, and the only difference is the plumber never raised his right hand and swore an oath that he would sweat your pipes correctly. (laughs) Exactly. But then we think it's excusable somehow, somewhere along the line, to be shitty or not great at our job and to be like, oh, well, and that puts the burden on somebody else and it doesn't make you hold accountable. So I've always been, know your shit, know the whys, do your job, and everything else is easy. With these, with these standards, you know, and not having them. Because we don't, right? If we go on a medical call, and I know I'm talking about EMS again, people, I get it. If we go on a medical call and we give somebody the wrong dose of fentanyl and kill them, there is going to be a lot of problems coming yep. down the road. There's going to be some accountability held <clears throat> because there is a measurable standard for that that is written on a piece of paper. You bet your ass. If we go to a structure fire today, and the hose gets pulled like dog shit, and the door force is garbage, and by the time we make it into the the structure, we're way past the eight-minute mark, and we find some dead people, we're going to come outside we're, after it goes out, because all fires go out, and we're going to sit on the bumper and go, man, that was crazy. There's a, yep. there's a wild one, bro, man. You never know what's going to happen when we say all this stupid shit. <laughs> that is an absolute lie because there's no standard. Yep. Nobody walks up and goes, I watched you pull that hose like shit. It was four minutes before you had water, water at the nozzle. I watched you force that door like shit. You were at three minutes before you had that door open. Your mask up time was two minutes long. That person is dead because you are a poor performer. No, Nobody says that. No, some somebody might say it, but you're just a dick if you do. And, and, that's, and number two, that person's not a lawyer. Right. And those are the differences in EMS and fire a lot of the time. And that's my next my next point on this is that we don't have these standards, so it creates two problems. One of the problems is some people don't know. Like some people were, were born and bred in an environment or in a department that didn't have these standards, didn't have a good mentor, went to a, a station that didn't train or whatever the case may be, and they literally didn't know. Maybe they had a shitty academy. I don't know. Yeah. But there's others who goddamn well know. And they know there's no standard. So when you, as you guys as high-ranking unit officials, you come to me and tell me I pulled that hose like shit, I'm going to look you right in the face and go, 
Cool. Where's that written down? Yep. No, I got it to the door. Water came out of the end of it. Oh, I didn't force the door correctly. Do we have an SOP on that? Oh, we don't. What's What's next on your list, boss? Oh, you would. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that and that comes from self patrolling too. You know, and and where are those captains? Uh, you know, who see that and then say, okay, and you hear this on the on the tailboard, and you're like, all right, next day, guess what, boys? What we're doing? But we don't see that because they don't want to be mean or they don't want to be a. I don't want to be the captain that looks like a dick. Yeah, so it's shining the spotlight thing. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, uh, you know, a quick retro story, uh, uh, incline, uh, we wrestled uh, and we had a just a ball buster of a coach and we screwed up on a, on a duel one time so bad when we trucked all the way back up to Tahoe, it was like midnight. He made us do a full out practice all night and he told my parents, come back in two hours because we suck so bad that he was like, we ain't going away until we fix what we fucking did. But the mentality at, at first, you're like, what a dick. And, and everyone's like, this is bullshit. But at the end of the day, it's not bullshit because he's holding us accountable to what we did and what we told him we were going to do. And we needed to deliver. And our my, my lasting memory of that guy was he didn't let us get away with bullshit actions because that was our job. And if you're doing that with your guys, you're doing the right thing. If you're, if you're looking the other way, I, I tell our guys even now or in Vegas is how am I protecting and how am I looking after my guys if I'm not pointing out how they're fucking up that can kill them or that can get them hurt or that can get them in trouble, right? Yeah, 100% on that. Well, and again, I, I, don't, I don't want to keep using yesterday, but I'm going to because it was such a good day. But <laughs> it, yesterday was a, a great reminder to me of congratulating success. Yeah. All the while, and Jesse does this. He's really good at doing this to me for some reason. He's, he's mastered this. This what do, you, what do you call it? The compliment sandwich? Yeah. Yeah. You know, compliment. Little shit, little compliment. Yeah, it makes it taste good, man. Puts the right amount of mayo, it right amount of mustard. It tastes a little better. Yeah, it tastes <laughs> better. But I, I watched a bunch of guys that you know that they made some mistakes. But I, I think it's creating that environment, and and I learned this from a few people, and I I hope some people continue to grow and make do it even better than we're doing it. But I think the fire service needs to create an environment and foster an environment where we can congratulate success and grow successes, intermixed with being okay with telling someone they failed but that they're not a failure. They just maybe yeah, failed yeah. at a task. They failed at a moment. They Yesterday, we had three tasks that were laid out for two-person rescue companies. They all killed it. It was unbelievable the time and effort put into this, the sweat, the broken <laughs> broken gear, bloody knuckles. Pretty cool. None of them asked for help. So that was the critique in the end. You know, That was the, the issue I had as a company officer and then my fellow company officer. Shout out to old Petty over there. He, he, we had a critique of, look, no one asked for help. No one, when, when you need more than you, when yeah. you need, when this is a bigger problem. But I, I think it was fun to watch these guys enjoy a moment where they, they had success. They were accountable for their success, which made it okay to tell them, look, here's some things we can improve. Ask for help. Maybe try this different tool, try this different tactics, three different scenarios. But yeah. I think we could get better at that. And, and especially when you're, you're in a very mixed group, I can only imagine that your current department or your prior department, you know, 700 to not 700. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you got to wade through a lot of personalities, but I, I think that's a place the fire service can continue to grow is let's celebrate successes. We can throw in the, the failures in between and they'll be okay with it. They'll take yeah. it because at the end of the day, couple things. Everybody left with a feeling of, wow, we actually got it done. Three bodies were dragged out and put on the curbs and that were alive and well. Mm -hmm. Also, everybody got ice cream. 
That's a lot in the fire service, as we all know. But the point being is that people had some success. They they felt it. So all the failures and little things in between were minor. Yeah. But you could collect them. Yeah. And I don't look at that like, and I, I totally agree with you. I don't look at that necessarily as all the failures. I, I You know, I've, I've told this to rookies over the years and uh, other guys is what a cool opportunity to go out and train and find out where maybe a holes in your game are. So it, it's a, how you're framing your mind to say like, well, you didn't fail. You're just, you're just finding where your weaknesses are. And that's good because I don't want to find that weakness when I'm working a pediatric arrest or when there's, when, when someone's next on the line or when there's a, an activated writ, like I, I don't want that shit to be like, Oh, this is not my strong suit. I'd rather do it in the comfort of a training. And instead of uh, being down about, Oh man, I really screwed that up. Hey man, I, today was a great day. I learned that I don't know shit about this and I have an opportunity to fix that before it happens. Yeah, hundred percent. You talked about wrestling, Jesse, and I do jujitsu all the time, and it's like that—that's the whole point of going to class is to find the holes in your game. Yeah, and like once you get that mindset of I'm going to find the holes in my game and then I'm going to plug them. Yeah, pretty soon your game starts to look fairly tight. One of the things that we need to do as as leaders, I know I like to brand myself as a leader a lot. I mean, is <laughs> brandishing that leader gun? I guess whatever, dude. Um, but one of the things I think we need to do as as leaders, though, and I've talked about this before, is we need to foster an environment where that is okay. Because what do we do in the fire service? We fucking beat the shit out of each other for everything. If you stutter in a conversation at the dinner table, like we have guys who have dead stopped middle conversation because they accidentally stuttered, so we could just fucking destroy them. Oh yeah, you know. And yeah. now on the training ground, people are afraid. They're like, man, if, if I fuck this hose pull up or door, door force, or I can't throw this ladder very good these guys are going to fuck me up and we have to stop that. And like, we have to step in and change that culture to where yeah, we might bust your balls. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Would we, you throw the fucking ladder upside down, Bailey, the tips on the ground? We don't need to change the kitchen table culture, but the no, training ground, the culture, training yeah. ground culture, it needs to be 100% supportive. We can be funny about it, but never mean about it because that'll scar somebody forever and create these 18, 25 year turds that haven't thrown a ladder in. Yep. A decade. Yeah. You know, and step to the back when everybody's training and stuff like that. You know, maybe they were made that way. And if we can change that culture and foster that environment of, dude, this is good. We found a hole in the game. We're going to change that. This is a positive and, and, and get that environment to where it's comfortable for everybody, where they don't care about tripping and falling in front of everybody. We're going to see a better result from that. Yeah. We watched yesterday. Um, a gentleman pick up a ladder, throw it on his shoulder in, in a, a, a true fire ground pace after removing a lot of objects from it after doing pull-ups in his underwear on the drill grounds this is quite the drill right <laughs> this guy picked up a ladder facing the wrong direction and realized it and i grew up in a time where you that drill would have stopped right you oh, yeah. would have been oh, yeah. what the hell you piece of shit you know what the hell are you doing stop what you net this guy did shout out to to was spun the ladder over his shoulder, all the way around, like a complete freaking baton, a ladder baton, made some weird noise. I don't know what that weird noise was, but spun that ladder all the way around, pinned it, raised it up against the building. It was legit. That's awesome. But we could celebrate it. And I, I had to laugh. I was thinking, God, man, if I would have done that just a few years ago, my ass would have been in a ringer. There would have been a conversation. Plus, me being left-handed, as you guys all know, walk weird, I would have dropped it twice. Probably tripped over it, yeah. then wore it. But it was cool to see a fire service that's starting to say, man, look, we're going to pick on you for this later. We're going to make fun of you. 
but we're also going to enjoy that success that you, you did well, you fixed it in two seconds flat. So, I mean, I think that's just something we got to continue to grow. Yeah. Some, some of the things that I jotted down over here about uh, accountability, like as a BC, I have to take personal accountability to call you out. If I see a hole in your game, I have to do that. Yep. I have to do that for not only personal accountability, but team accountability. Yeah. And department accountability. I have to do it. Yep. I cannot slack on that. And if you're a firefighter that's struggling with a little bit of uh, critique, I don't know, constructive criticism, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Somebody pointing out a hole in your game, that burden lands on you back to our original topic. You know, the burden of leadership Well, if you're a fireman period, one day, a hundred years, you are a leader in the community. So that burden of leadership should fall on you as well. And you should be good at your job. You shouldn't be butthurt when somebody says, dude, your ladder throws suck or yeah. X, Y, Z. Yeah. They can be better, you know? And that's the thing. It's not that they suck. They can be better. Now, you know, sometimes there's a, there's a misconception or a misunderstanding on, you know, hey, we critiqued, hey, we did this. And then the next time you go out, they don't work on it. And you go, hey, I might get up in your ass because what are we doing? Why are we wasting our time? We, we found holes and you didn't even remotely try to fix that. That's a problem because we all, like you said earlier, we all swore an oath and it's our job. Like, period. That's it. Yeah. And, and, you know, I would talk to guys, do you want you responding to your family? Do you want a guy oh, who yeah. trains like you? And cause if I'm expecting the, the elite to come to my house when I'm not home and I'm at work and I got my uh, two year old daughter at home and my wife home alone, I want the best of the best. And if you're not the best of the best then that's bullshit that you expect that on the other side. So I pay homage saying I got to work. Cause I'm going to give the best to this community that I'm serving. Cause I'm expecting the same back home, you know? Yeah. I think it was the fit to fight fire guys was the first dudes yeah. that I heard that from was, do you want you rescuing you? Yeah. And it's like that wrong for me at the point in my career and where I was personally, professionally, everything. When I read that quote, um, it, it hit home. I mean, and I really sat down and thought about it. Yeah. Um, I was able to answer that as a maybe, which felt good. Yeah. A maybe felt pretty yeah. good at the, cause it wasn't a solid no, yeah. but I, I made changes even from that day forward. And I thought, I mean, I thought I fancied myself a pretty solid fireman. Yeah. And, uh, and reading that made me go, mm, you know what? I could be better. I could be way better at this. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of guys out there and I've said this, you know, I hope it rings true because it rings true to me at least is that <clears throat> I try to put myself in a, in a spot or try to push myself to a spot to where I picture being lined up outside and being picked for the team. I want to be fucking number one pick. That's it. And guys might think that's, that's where my passion comes from and said, I want to be fucking number one. I'm cause I'm a utility player. I want to be the best fireman, the best captain, the best battalion chief no holds bar and I want everyone to know it. And some people think that's a little too much, but to me, that's what, that's what I want to expect. Cause I know when shit goes down, you want me on the team and that's a good thing. But if you can't say that, if you say, ah, I might get picked second to last, then maybe you need to look at yourself in the fucking mirror, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and nobody in the fire service wants to be picked last. None no. of us. 
No, a hundred percent. I've I've used that exact same analogy where I teach in recruit academies where I say you want to be the guy on the fire ground. When the battalion chief has big eyes, you you know it's kind of something's going on and they need something. You want to be the guy on the fire ground when they spin around and they go, uh you. I need you to go search. Yeah. Yep. Bro, you, that's the feeling. That's the yep. feeling you want. You're striving for that every day to be that guy. So and, and by no means do I want to come across saying I am that guy. No, no we want to be that guy. I want to be but that I said, guy. That's the mentality you have to yes. keep coming in to say, shit, man, I got to lock it down. And it kind of, it, it, it brings that humility back to the table saying, we all got to be striving to be that guy because we have that guy in us. We just got to do it. 100%. And I think this is a fantastic segue into topic three. And you talked about it just a second ago. You said it. You said your second, your third topic was passion for the job. And when, when I texted you, I said, send me your stuff, you know, and you sent me the bird of leadership and accountability. And then you said, maybe just passion. Maybe it's all about passion. Yeah. And I, dude, I couldn't, could not have agreed more. So, yeah, dude. It, and I think it, all this accumulates to loving the job, loving the work. And, uh, and you know, early on I was told like, Hey, this is the brotherhood. And I, I truly believe it. Like I got a brother in the fire service and I know what the brotherhood looks like and it looks messy sometimes and you know, and that's okay. You argue, you fight, you call each other out, but that's, a, that's the beauty of it. And that's, I think something I don't want to see lost here. And I see it kind of going away because guys are afraid to do it versus saying that, Hey, this is part of the brotherhood. This is part of love is saying the stuff that's uncomfortable and not being afraid to be like, this ain't going to ruin our relationship. This is just going to make us better. And it, and you know, Early on, I was taught about um, all in, being all in. And, you know, I'll, I'll give my credits out to Las Vegas Fire Rescue. Station one, those guys pulled me in and all in. Ruben Sanchez, J.P. Clinton, those guys were like, hey, all in. And got me involved in the union, got me involved in the Benevolent uh, Association. Committees and just at the academies, top four academies down there. And just really pushed me to be all in. And that's where that passion comes because you go, this is really important what we do. And our successorship, if we're not showing that path, then we're stealing away from these guys coming up behind us because they won't get to, to see it. Instead, they'll get to see people who don't train, who don't care, who just come pay, get a paycheck. And to me, that's unacceptable. So guys can love me or hate me because I, I'm jazzed for it and I, I want the best. But at the end of the day, like I, I want to leave a legacy of giving a shit, you know? Well, if you think about it, and I've, I've mentioned this before, I talked about it when, when I was the interview I guess. And I think we all talk about it a lot. And I think the four of us in this room are examples of it. it, it this is not an easy job. No. no one's saying it is, but how easy is this job? If you love it, yeah. I, I think it's the easiest job in the world because it's a job that allows you to have passion. Not that you can't have that being a banker or being a carpenter or something else. You can have a passion. I mean, some of the best carpenters in the world are good because they have a passion for their job. Yeah. The best bankers in the world have a passion for the job, but this job, because it is a hard job, if you allow yourself to have passion for it, there there is no better job. There's yeah. no, it makes any job you're doing super easy. It makes you want to always show up to work. Yep. You're going to do the same thing. These guys are going to do the same thing. We're all going to keep showing up 25, 30, however many years where our bodies are able to last. Um, I, I can't say it enough. Allow yourself for the guys that don't have passion just for five minutes, show up to work one day and be excited. Force yourself to go, man, I'm with all my brothers today, maybe a sister. Yeah. I don't know, but you're here. 
allow yourself to have a little passion. This is the best job in the world. Yeah. Do what you love. You'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. Right. So Corley Moore on the scrap, he used to, in the original five questions for firefighters, he would ask this question. He would say, uh, what's the number one trait that separates the run of the mill firefighter from the go-to badass fireman? And I would always, when I listened to the scrap, I would always answer the questions, you know, in my head for the, my imaginary one day, if I ever got to be on the scrap, <laughs> you know, I was like, hey, passion. We're, we're coming. I know one day <laughs> I said passion. And I would always say that, you know, and then the guys who would answer passion, I would like this, have this connection with this person. I was like, dude, they get it. Like this guy understands it's the number one trait I'm looking for in a team member. Yep. When I get it, I had these guys, you know, I taught several academies and when i had these kids out there call them kids whatever but you would see it in their eyes and then when you get them on the line you get these probies and you can see they got the passion and they're sending you the things on instagram and they're texting you and they're pulling you aside and asking you questions and you're like oh my god he's got the bug yep he's got the bug this is what this is what we need and it's that trait when you see in people you are going to do things in this career, you are going to be somebody you are going to be unstoppable and they may not be the best at their skills. They may not be the smartest in the station. They may cook shit dinners. Oh yeah. But you see that fire passion and you're, you know, this is going to be a guy. Oh, we yeah. got, we got to foster this. We got to catch this lightning in this bottle and we got to hang on to it. Oh yeah. Like you hit on the head. It's, it's the passion for all aspects of the job. It's giving a shit at all. And that is like, cool, this guy gives a shit. That means he gives a shit about me. That means he gives a shit about you. You know, you hit on dinner. I, to me, that's a big thing. Because a lot of guys go, oh, shit, I got to fucking cook dinner. And you're like, okay, one, cook for 20 guys. That sucks. You want to get rest? <laughs> that's rough. <laughs> you know, as a young kid. But I got taught at, in Vegas is that the cook had the, the, front, the front parking spot, then the battalion chief, then the captains. Because the cook is the number one most important guy at the fire station that day. You're nourishing your men. You're giving them the stuff, the fuel they need. And when guys go, well, I, I don't really cook. What a fucking cop out. Because that, now you're not taking care of your brothers. Captains who don't like to cook. What Unacceptable. It's servant leadership. It's getting out there saying, hey, I'll cook even if it's shitty. If it's shitty, it's shitty. I'm not saying I'm the greatest cook. I'm just saying willing to do the work because that shows the love and the passion. And it's like, I know the importance of this. So everything we do has an importance, but some guys just brush it off. Like, no, that's, that's not important when truly is, you know, there are definitely some things where you'll gravitate towards, right? Some guys love this. Some guys love that. Some guys love this aspect and others love a different one. And that's fine. But just understand it's the passionless. Yeah. Don't give a shit about anything. It's just a means to an end. It's just a, it's just a job, right? Whatever the case may be that those are the ones where you get irritated. And that's something that I wrote down here. One of the the burdens to kind of stay with this topic. I don't mean to make it a negative uh, podcast, but one of the burdens of passion is the manifestation of frustration and resentment at times. Oh yeah. Right. We, we, the passionate ones need to balance this passion with, you're leading people, you're working with people, you're working for people. We've all had people that worked for us that were not passionate. We've all had people we worked for that were not passionate. And we've all had people we work with that were not passionate. And trying to balance and understand one of the quotes that my brother says frequently, you go to war with the army you got, not the army you want. 
Oh yeah. And trying to balance that is, is hard. It's my number one struggle. I'll tell you right now, my number one struggle with the amount of passion that I believe that I have in my heart is it manifests itself in frustration and resentment at times. You and me both. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's for goddamn sure. Um, something about climbing the ladder, you know, um, and keeping that passion for the job. Yeah. Cause as you all know, Brian's talked about yesterday a couple of times now and you know what I was doing? I was reviewing policies. I was going over lists and shit. I was on my one drive, man. I yeah. was just crushing it. Yeah. Just yeah. keyboard crushing it, crushing it, <laughs> callousing these fingertips up. We missed them. <laughs> yeah. That is tough. Cause that's like where a lot of our passions are. Or I love training, but being behind that keyboard, uh, man, that's rough. That, that's exactly where my passion lies is the training ground. I love a fire. I love going to jobs. If, if you don't love going to the, going to jobs, get a new one. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I, we can't control when we get a job, but we can always control how prepared we are before we get it. Right. Jay. So absolutely. So it's, if you have passion for this job, you will have personal accountability. You'll have right. that team accountability. You'll, you'll know the burden of leadership period and a story. You'll know these things because of the passion that you have for this job. And I, I cannot stress it enough for folks out there listening um, for yourself to pass on to your new people coming through the academies. Maybe you're not even a guy that goes, that teaches that academy. Go talk to those dudes that do and say, Hey, can I have 15 minutes with the guys just to talk to them about loving this job? Yep. It'll, it, it'll pay dividends. Oh yeah. Just as a, a question, you know, especially being in a new place and, coming from a place that I continually hear good things about. And that's cool. I know it's big and there's, you know, you Vegas has its problems too, but I, one, I love hearing about a department that, that creates a passion and a department that's running a hundred and what, 110,000 calls a year. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's hard to hold that passion. So I know you pulled a lot from them. Yeah. How are you, if you can answer, how, how are you creating that passion now in a department that is new where you're the new face, you're the new guy that, not that these guys have had a lack of passion at all. That's not what I'm saying at all. But as a new guy walking in from a very different environment, yeah. Just how, how, do you how, trans- how are you growing that? How do you, know? you transition it from your your last life to your new life? Right? B is that? Yeah. How, how are you? How are you making an environment where it's okay for those guys to show you their passion and and grow that? And how are you fostering that? Yeah, and I think that that's a good question. Is uh, sometimes it's a swing and a miss, and sometimes it's dead on, right? So you have to kind of approach it like, like I said, there's uh, a lot of trial and error because you, you come from such a culture-rich environment to a different in, a culture, and whether it's it's great, it's just different for both of us. So then we're we're trying to learn each other's cultures and learn, you know, it's it's just taking a different perspective. And you guys said it before. Sometimes it's easy to be like, well, these guys don't fucking understand where I'm coming from. Then they're saying this fucking guy doesn't know where we're coming from. Instead of saying like, really stepping back, going, man, I really value what these guys bring to the table, and maybe I'm just not understanding exactly what they're bringing, and maybe I'm not um, focusing enough on these positive attributes because I'm, I'm just being selfish, which as a leader, the burden of leadership, you're saying, man, I, humility, humility, humility. So it needs to just, and sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes it doesn't, you know, we're all, you know, like I said, 
Sometimes you swing big, you miss big. And other times you hit a nail on the head. So, uh, but it's also for those other guys to look at someone else leading them saying, okay, where's this guy really coming from? Because we can all, I can tell you for the most part, we've all, even the shittiest of leaders, most all of them don't come to work going, I want to be a piece of shit today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they want to do a good job. So finding that direction where they're coming from. So it's dry, just trying to float that, like walk that little wire and say, hey, okay, well, this didn't, this didn't work. Now I got to do something else. And I got to show them the, the value of hanging out uh, with each other. Uh, like why is training important? And then showing them and then showing your willingness to do it and showing your willingness to be humble or eat crow or whatever, you know? So it's just trying to, it's a lot of trial and error, as you guys know. Because I think uh, uh, other times to your point is like, if you come in and you guys in butt heads or regardless of a new leader, it's easy for us because we're all alpha personalities. Just go, fuck those guys. and like, just, I don't care. The harder thing is go, okay, well, that didn't work. I guess we got to back to the drawing board, boys. Yeah, take that ego <laughs> behind the barn and put one behind its ear. You know? yeah. that, that's hard to do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it, it is definitely hard to do, especially the, I mean, we were talking about sports and stuff earlier, you know, like if, if you, you came up through the fire service, man, you worked your ass off. People thought you were a good fireman. Then you made company officer. People thought you were a kick-ass captain. Then you made BC and you, you cut your teeth in there and they started going, oh man, this guy's pretty fucking good BC. You always have to take that look in the mirror and check that shit. Yeah. You always have to check that ego and go, I, you know, I got to get back to the drawing board all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And shout out to, you know, your guys at, at your current department. Um, th- those guys are going through a lot too. Oh, new, yeah. new, new faces, new leadership. And I'm glad to hear you're finding ways to wave that because shout out to them that, that and that's a lot for them to wave too. You know, oh, it's not oh, like yeah. it's a 50 station department that, you know, people are always passing through. Um, I- I'm glad to hear that. Cause I, I, I you know, I can only imagine I have, I've, I didn't, I had four years experience before I came to my current department, but it was kind of a hodgepodge in different places two different places and in, in different ways. And then, you know, you spend 25 years at the same place, you kind of get ingrained. And so I'm always fascinated by it, but uh, you know, uh, to your guys too, if they're listening and I hope they are, um, you know, shout out to you guys for, for bringing three new faces in, and in, in all these things we've talked about, the leadership and accountability and, and passion that I'm hoping you're, you're seeing theirs too. And you guys are absorbing what they're trying to throw out at you oh, and yeah. finding those ones that you can look to. And cause I know a couple of those fellas that they are passionate and, oh, yeah. and I, I really like what you guys are doing. I think, you know, <laughs> the passion can definitely get in the way and bump things around a little bit. And cause sometimes passion may be something that you look as, man, this guy's just misguided or he's just angry at things. Well, sometimes you got to take that passion and, and maybe rebottle it, filter it out a little bit, yep. pour it into a different glass, give everybody a different purview, and then drink together. You know, oh, yeah. and I think you're doing that. And shout out to everybody that's doing that. Yeah, I'm gonna echo that. These guys, uh, you know, this is small departments are tough. Period. And I'll tell you, these guys got a lot of grit. They've been through a lot of shit over there, and they got a lot of grit. And that's and to me, like that's that's something to celebrate because sometimes people overlook grit and getting tracked through the dirt and saying, oh, well, whatever. And you're like, no, not whatever. That shit's hard. That shit's hard to keep showing up, keep getting like dicked with, but still trudge through. And I'm like, they got a lot of grit. This guy was a wrestler, man. <laughs> grit, <laughs> baby. Grit. Yeah. I mean, I think a good example of, of what you're instilling over there is you guys brought in a training recently, right? And you, you brought oh, yeah. a training from an outside training department in 
and you put it up for volunteer. Who wants to come? Yep. Who wants to show up? Right. And you didn't get everybody to show up, but you got a handful of guys to yeah. show up. And I'll tell you right now, I, I was one of the instructors at that training. Every guy from your department was 100% engaged. Yep. You know, yep. we had Jeremy out there and Bryce and a couple of your guys that were just engaged, yep. wanted to get the information, were excited to get out there and train, like wanted to, it were welcoming first. Cause sometimes, you know, you bring in a, an outside instructor. Sometimes there's a little bit of, dude, we know what we're doing. Yeah. Like we don't need this. Not when it's H and H baby. Yeah. (laughs) Zero, zero of that bullshit. Right. Your guys were engaged. They were in, they're in it. Todd's out there pulling lines, right? He's out there doing it. You know, it was good. It was a great training. Shout out to Todd because it was fun to watch Todd learn. Because I'm like Todd, straight pull. Yeah. That's the way, baby. That's the only way. But to Jess's (laughs) credit, there and to Ashby's credit, there are other ways. It was fun to watch a battalion chief out there. Sweating a little bit going, God damn, there are other ways to do this, right? Oh, yeah. But shout out to your guys. It was fun. It was fun to watch your guys. And, and talk about a hodgepodge group, man, because yeah. you're bringing in some other big city boys yeah. that are coming into line ranks or company officer ranks. And I watched a particular company officer out there. I'll, I'll leave names out of it unless somebody wants to mention his name. But this little SOB pulled line all day. And he pulled line hard yeah. all day. He listened. He tried to grow. He actually threw out some killer suggestions. Me and Zabel were at one station and... I mean, you, you talk about a guy who can pull hose. Mr. Zabel can pull hose. I'm yeah. not going to challenge that man any day, anywhere, anytime. I'm just going to stand next to him and, and watch the watch all the goods going on right yeah. next to me. But um, it, it was cool to watch a guy, you know, if you want to talk about passion and talk about all these things that as a company officer, he took some accountability to show his th- those that are subordinates around him that he doesn't mind getting sweaty. He's a brand new face there. He ain't He ain't been there 20 years. Yeah. And he went out and pulled hose all day. And I think Jesse saw it. Um, and it was cool to see. And I, I hope that that becomes infectious because that type of passion is, is you have to see it. You can talk about it all day. We can talk about passion on, on a podcast for 20 hours and come up with 20 yeah. different ways. It's great. But if guys don't see it, if guys don't see someone getting excited and asking questions and stumbling around and tangling themselves up in hose, ain't ever going to believe it. But but I just, I, you know, it was cool to see. It was good to see. Well, no, shout out to you guys. Uh, you know, we had you guys out. You guys did a great job. Like, it, it was big for us because it was getting someone outside. Because sometimes we had to pivot and say, all right, time out. Let's, let's go outside. Let's get some different faces in here so that it's not either redundant. Maybe, maybe we're missing the mark. So let's get someone out here and let's do it. You guys did a great training. Our guys loved it. All the feedback we got because we had some TM guys out there. It was awesome. Interdepartment training. We got a lot of different perspectives. We got a lot of different faces out there. So you guys did a phenomenal job. So thanks. Thank you. We appreciate that. We have fun doing it. We're passionate about it, man. Yeah, yeah. It's passion. That's what we're talking about. That's the, it's funny. We, we say like, oh yeah, you know, thanks a lot. But on this topic, like, dude, that's why we're out there. We're passionate yeah. about it. That's why we're all sitting in this room yeah. that we used to be my you know, my kid's bedroom that we've now changed into a podcast studio. He got a better bedroom now. He's in the hallway. <laughs> He's in the hallway. Yeah. We turned this into a podcast studio because we love this shit so much. Yeah. We want to talk about it. We want to get the information out there. We want to have a platform for guys like you who have a tremendous amount of experience and things to say about the profession to get it out there. And let's infect everybody. Let's get them, yeah. let's get them hooked, man. Yeah. Reinstill the love. You know, you talk to like, Hey, remember when you signed up for this job? And I know that gets old hat a lot of times, but you really think like how, how lucky you felt. 
And then why'd we get into this rut? It's usually because we're listening to other people. We're just kind of falling into it. We all have ebbs and flows. We've all had bad days. We all had bad years even. But, you know, it, it doesn't take away from if you're good at your job, you're going to be pumped about going to work. You're going to be pumped about sharing that with other people. And it can, and it's infectious. And then you, your crew dynamic is through the roof. You know, it, it just, it's, it, it compounds. It's like compounding interest. When you see that, then you're, you're tighter. Then you hang out more off the job. Then your wives get to know each other more. Then it's, then it's that family that we all hear about, but you'll see the crews who don't train, don't push each other. Don't go through hard things. They don't have that because they, you know, if you're not getting fires every day, cause you know, not every department's getting a bunch of fires every day, but you got to build that camaraderie and that trust somewhere. And that comes from passion too, you know? I, I I can't agree more. Um, it made me think of uh, you talked about hard days. We all have them, right? Yep. I just I just heard um, somebody talking about marriage on on Instagram, and I talked I talked to my wife about it. And I said, "Look, if we're going to be married for like forty years, you know, ju- judging on our age, I'll I'll take ten bad ones to have thirty good ones." Yeah. And it, and it made me think about the fire service as well. It's like, cause I've, I've had some hard, hard yards as of late and uh, I'll take those bad ones because I've already had a bunch of good ones and I know that there's a bunch more good ones to come. Yeah. You know, but that just goes back to having passion for the job and knowing the hard times don't last forever. Yeah, exactly. Knowing when you're in the shit and, and it's, things are a little turbulent that, Maybe you got to look at yourself in the mirror and stop being a little bitch and be like, well, I got to stop being a little bitch because you know what? <laughs> this is helping me grow. I could take this as a, in a positive way. This is going to make me better or I can let it crush me. And so, you know, a, a lot of my reframing is like, yeah, is this tough? Yeah, hundred percent. But is it going to make me better if I choose and I'm going to choose? Yeah, I want to be better. That's where passion comes in. And, and then I have to ride that wave and you're right. It doesn't last forever, but I, you know, it's, I think it's really important for our guys to focus on the positive saying, yes, it's it's hard for a reason. Yeah, for sure. Training every day and working your ass off is hard. Mm -hmm. Sucking ass on a fire ground (laughs) is hard. Yeah. Pick your hard. Yeah. Yeah. Which one do you want to, which one do you want to be hard? I'll tell you what, I'll know which one I want to be hard. So I got to know what's next. What's next in big Corey's life. What's next in the, the fire service for you? I don't know, man. Just, uh, just plugging away. I got to figure this shit out first. <laughs> well, what, well, you are. But what, what, what's your next? Uh, you know, taking these things we talked about today, and and being in a new place as you guys grow this new place together. You know, there's there, there's a crazy future going on in, in, in northern Nevada here of yeah. about twenty different directions things can go. And not to get in that conversation, but um, I am curious for a guy like you that is driven. I've always known you as someone driven. Mm. What's your next plan? Where are we going to see you? What what you mean? What are we going to see you doing? You know, for me, um, so I'll probably, after this year, I'll probably be done with the PFN. Not in a bad way, just, you know, time time to move on. Um, I'm getting my doctorate uh, right now. I should be done next year. And uh, part of my, my passion to do that was, uh, you know, I want to, I, I love the medical field, not not as much EMS as... <laughs> Yeah, it's okay. You can say it. <laughs> so it's cool being a PA. Yeah, I, I love yeah we never a, even touched on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I like the. I love the medical field. It's good, but my my passion is the fire service. That's why I've, I'm still a fireman. I love being a fire service. But 
I love teaching a lot of these uh, complex medical issues to to firemen and, and treating them and helping them out. And I think, you know, teaching is a big part of it. The future, maybe, you know, I, I don't think in Northern Nevada, we have a tremendous amount of skill and knowledge and wisdom up here that not a whole lot of areas offer. And you don't see them on any circuits of the firehouses or, in, uh, you know, the... Uh, the fire shows coming in town. I think it's really important that we need to start stepping up and showing what we offer because you have a lot of these like small volunteer fire departments across the country, which isn't a bad thing teaching us about water shuttles or whatever. But when we have plenty of like central line, North line, you know, you have these plenty of places that do that story County regularly and have done it regularly. Why aren't they talking about it? Cause they have paid professionals who do it. I'm like, we need to start, having confidence in what we do and, and getting on the circuit and talking about it. And I think something like that would be fun where you're spreading you, maybe round tables where you go talk to people and just like, let's spar some ideas. Let's get, let's get something out because I think our level of teaching right now, when we go out there, you go to these conferences and it's just sit and listen instead of like, I want to come home with some shit. Like, tell me what I can do at this department. Let's have like a, a real conversation. I think, I think that's next in the docket is really feeding these people on how to change Instead of just like, here's a philosophy, who knows how it works there, but let's engage with and make pertinent change, right? Yeah, shameless plug number one right here. So yeah. I think uh, I know some guys that run a training company called yeah. H&H. Yeah. They're, tapping they're, into you a little bit. There's yeah. a reason I asked, oh. you know. Um, I, I've watched a lot of guests, not only podcasts I've listened to, you know, to shout out to mostly Jesse, who, as a guy who loves the fire service, I didn't listen to podcasts. And this guy's like, man, you're an idiot. You got to start listening to podcasts. And now, now I'm addicted. I listened to two this morning. Now you're a host. Yeah. So, uh, but, but what I'm seeing is there's, there's actually people out there that it's a common thread that we're not all offering everything we have, right? Yeah. We're not giving of all of what we have. And I think, um, I'm not saying that the three of us are at this point and, and Horton senior are not giving our all, but I think we're heading that direction and we're trying to. Yeah. So there's guys like you out there and you're one of many, you know, shout out to Zabel and Ashby and some of the other guys that are in Boyer that are showing up. There is a lot. And so I'm trying to open that door. If I have one, one, one of my many missions in life, but one mission before I leave this, however you leave this place, um, there's a ton of cool people. There's a ton of cool people in every locale. Doesn't matter where you're at. Guys got to start sharing, man. Guys got to start giving. And it, it's not about money. It's not about anything. It's just about giving. It's the coolest thing in the world. And, yeah. You know, you, you, you've been a guy that's helped me out a lot over the years with union stuff. And I hope maybe I've done the same at some point, but oh, yeah. um, you're one of those people that tends to have a lot that you can give. I think there's a, there's a, a medicine side that the fire service needs, you know, um, but we need more people that are wanting to do that, that are at reaching a point in their career where they're okay with going, Hey man. I'm great. I want to go out and teach this stuff. I feel good now. I, I've I've had a good career. I'm not. I'm on the backside where I can start giving back. So I asked that for a reason, and I and I I like your answer. You crafty something, you know? Because um, <laughs> we need more people. We need we need dozens. We need hundreds. We don't need three people doing this. Four people doing this. Five six people. We need hundreds. You know, in Northern Nevada, I think <laughs> in all the years I've been up here with all the fantastic people, I'm glad. You know, shout out to, to Reno Fire as an example. There's some dudes there that have been in the trenches for decades. Yeah. And they're starting to stick their heads out. And it's cool because they're teaching stuff. Yeah. You know, there's guys at places like Story County and Central Lion and tiny little places that are starting to poke their heads out going, hey, man, I've been doing this for a lot of years. 
Let's make this something addicting. Let's yeah. make it so guys like you step forward and go, hey, man, I got platforms now. I can come to this event. I can teach at this conference. So that's why I asked, not to beat a dead horse, but there's a reason. No, it's, a, it's something that I think about. Everybody in the fire service has something to give. Yeah. We all have something to give and something to share. It's one of the things we put in our syllabus when we, I just sent one out today. And it says in our syllabus, we're all firefighters. We all have something to, to learn. We all have something to teach. So in our classes, we try and incorporate everybody. We always book our lectures for 90 minutes and we talk for a little over an hour and then we stop and we say, open, we tell them beforehand, we're going to open this up at the end. We want to hear the goods, good, bad, ugly, call us out on our bullshit, whatever you want. Ask the whys, write notes, get your shit out right now so you can take notes. And at the end, we open it up. Because you're, you're right. You said it. We go to these conferences and the information's phenomenal, right? We sit down and we always pick and choose the best of the best or yeah, yeah. who we want to hear, but never, it's kind of, here's the gospel, have a good day. And that's not to take away yeah. from any other instructors. They're giving amazing shit, but to have a Q&A session afterwards is something that we found really important because we want to not only give the why behind what we said, we want to learn some shit oh, because yeah. the people sitting in that room, you don't know who they are. You yeah. don't know if he's, this is a guy from a rural County that's done water shuttling operations as a professional firefighter for 25 years. Yeah. Or if you got a guy sitting in the room who has got 30 years in the fire service as a senior man, as a fireman and yeah. says, Hey, I liked what you said about this, but have you ever thought about that? No. Cause I don't have 30 fucking years on the job. <laughs> You know, yeah. so that's something we found really important so we could continue learning yeah. even when we're attempting to be the instructor. Yeah. Yeah. And to your guys' point, the young guys out there have a lot to offer. And I don't think that, you know, whether you're in a real uh, tight culture situation where, you know, hey, shut up, sit over there, don't, don't say anything. We used to bring in the rookies, or, you know, if you had a year on, you'd be mentoring another rookie because you've been through the shit, you've been beat down. You know what the, the the station life's all about, so we'd marry you up with that, and that's tremendous. So if you're young out there and you and you know you're new to the fire service, you have a lot to offer because other guys are still coming through the pipe. And if you can say, hey, like we had a um, we'd have a wife's day where the wives come in, say, ask your questions, and one of the fi- one of the the captain's wives would would run it because. Wives go through a lot of shit too. And yeah, because she's been there for 30 years dealing with <laughs> yeah. that bullshit. Yeah, and she's like, okay, this is going to be bullshit. Hey, when he comes back from a 48 and he looks like he's pissed off, give him about an hour to decompress, right? You know, and, and it was really, you saw how much value it brought to the organization because now, you know, when you have less guys getting divorced, less fights at home, you know, that, that affects work, you know? So the young guys have a lot to offer too because there's... It, we're a lot of old dogs in the uh, in the fire service, and with the AI coming up and all this other shit, these guys are tuned in, so they have a lot to offer. So I just encourage all these young guys to be chomping the bit. Yeah, the era of information, right? These guys have access to things that weren't accessible ten years ago, right? Yeah. So a young guy who's in the in the, his element and passionate about the fire service can really take on a a tremendous amount of information in a short period of time. We see this thing where academy instructors, you know, come out there and like, I don't know if I should be out here. We're dealing with it right now. Shout out Bristol dog. (laughs) He's like, I don't know if I should be out here, but it's like, bro, you're an amazing asset. Tap into it. Get after it. Get out there. I guarantee you know more than these guys sitting in this academy. Yeah. So give them what you got, man. Learn. Yeah. yeah learn. Get, get some shit. Fail. 
get back up and go, okay, that didn't work. <laughs> yeah, go to tactics on tap. Teach. Come out. Say what you got to say. 100%. Guys, that we're doing this tactics on tap thing, and we're getting guys to come in and talk. You've been. Um, to get someone to get up in front of people is so hard. Yeah. The, we're talking to guys who 25 years in the fire service, and they're like, ah, man, what do I have to say? What do I have to say? A ton. Yeah. A ton. And people will be hanging on your every word because they want it. They're hungry for it. Yeah. Come in, talk, give what you got. People will be appreciative of it. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So we're about uh, buck 30 in. Uh, One thing I do want to circle back to real quick before we stop is that cook in the firehouse. Um, I got to say this for Jesse. Um, If you suck at cooking, find three things that you can cook and then stick to that. Okay. Don't be experimenting at the fire. We're not doing chili dogs. Okay. That's not one of your three things. Fucking change that. Yeah. Those are delicious, man. Come on. What's wrong with you? (laughs) No, but uh, Corey, thank you so much, man. This has been great uh, sitting and chatting with you today. Do you have anything that you want to close out with? Any other final comments? No, man. Thanks for having me here. It's been fun, man. Thank you. I'm glad that we got this pinned down. I'm glad I texted you a day before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think yeah. We're not magically <laughs> canceling for some reason. I knew he was going to take a shot. Hey, we, we, I just want to know when are we going to have the, the Whitlock brothers together? Like we should do a Whitlock versus Whitlock podcast. His brother yeah. brought that up and I was oh, yeah. like, no, we're not doing two brothers on here. I was like, we'll do you guys each in your own episode. Do you know there's two brothers sitting across from us right now that's what i meant it would like cause a tear in the universe if we had two sets of brothers in here (laughs) hey man as far as i'm concerned we got four brothers sitting in here we do we do i just i I just want to be here when we do it i think we're up for the challenge (laughs) well again again brother thank you very much for coming in uh we really appreciate you man yeah thank you guys thank you brother thanks chief you should be a monster